It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information they share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad you're listening in today, which is August 21st, 2019. I'm honored to have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Gabriella Masala, and she's not only the author of a book called Every Day, Being Magnificent, but she's also very uplifting and inspirational in her own right. I love doing at least one or two shows a year regarding universal wisdom teachings and contemplative expressive arts and energy medicine. And she's been part of this for well over 20 years, so she really is an expert in it. So with her guidance today, we will get right into the heart of all of these. Welcome, Gabriella. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you today. Why don't you tell us, how did you get on the path that you're on now? Was there a specific thing that happened? Yeah, a specific thing that happened in your life or something you always knew you wanted to do? Yes, I would say that um, there's been many, many lights along the way that have helped to steer me in more specifics of what I've come to know as um, what I'm contributing now to really to life, to anyone who's before me. But really, it's it's been a lifelong um, knowing. As a young child, I felt very lit up with um, a sense of knowing that there is a source, a love, a um, calling that is from the inside out, calling me to be here on the planet and contribute my best. And that's always guided me. I've just always been internally guided and um, really rooted in what we could call source energy or love or the divine or God or Buddha nature, whatever fits for each of us in that understanding of the great mystery has always been my guide, my anchor, and, um, and my way. And the rest is just the details of where I was guided and passionate. At what point in your life did you decide that you wanted to follow a specific path in wisdom teachings? 
I, about the age of 11, I was devouring everything I could, metaphysical, esoteric, um, world spiritualities. In my early 20s, when I discovered ecofeminism and world spiritualities on a more academic level, I dove right into these studies. And then my master's work was in art as meditation and the power of creativity to unify and to really bring the commonalities of all world traditions into that place of unity, of unity consciousness. And as I studied cultures from all over the world, I found that no matter what the details of their belief systems, everybody had ways of coming together as community to sing, to dance, to create and tell and share stories, um, to make art. And so these ways of creative expression became avenues, kinesthetic embodied ways um, that I just fell in love with. And that led me down the path in my later 20s, 30s, 40s of art therapy, of dance therapy, of um, shamanism and teaching and practicing yoga for decades. So there's been many paths, but now in, as I come to uh, the golden age of 50, I really feel like <laughs> it's really the simplicity of of becoming a force of love and, and that that's really what I experience that, that each of us is in our deepest nature, in our most pure state, we are love. How to embody that at the highest level of frequency, of energy, in our daily most practical ways of life, as well as in the details of our intimate contemplative life as well. How do you do that? How do you embody that to a, a certain frequency? That's such a great question. You know, one of the inspirations that I have working with so many people is that each being really lights up uniquely. They, um, each one of us has a path of awakening and a path of heart that is so unique to each of us and the experiences that we have, the challenges that we have that, as you know, can turn out to be some of our biggest teachings and blessings, um, our unique gifts. So what I really love I can tell you how, how that comes alive for me, um, though I think sure. that, that for, yeah, for each of us listening, it's really about trusting what we know by heart, trusting those, those uh, practices where we really come alive and feel joy. So for me, that looks a lot like embodied practices of dancing and of singing, and it's not dancing and singing in the performance sort of route, though I've been there and done that, but it's really about knowing my own innermost divine nature and being in intimate contact with the mystery of life through, um, through soul dancing, dancing, through singing in a ceremonial and prayerful way, um, through making art and just putting color onto, onto paper. And then that expands through love and relationships, through serving my family, to being a parent, through being a gardener and being in a, relationship with the plant kingdom and how much they have to to learn so for me the embodiment of love and of that high frequency of communion of connection of unity of gratitude um, starts to filter into every aspect of life and that obviously was the inspiration for creating the everyday magnificent journal of how can we have that level of uh we could call it a higher frequency or a faster frequency or a more expanded place of being connected to our unlimited nature, our, our divine nature, 
but really it's not just sometimes. It's not just something that we can have on the meditation cushion or in church on Sundays or wherever each of us does that prayerful or meditative practice, but it can be something we bring into as many moments of a daily life as possible. Uh, Can you give us an example? Sure, sure. So, you know, setting the tone in the morning, I think, is a really great uh, practice and also example. So from the moment that I start to open my eyes and to come into consciousness, the first thing I do is do my best to remember my dream time, remember the dreams, because so much is revealed in that time in the dream space. And I even ask in a really humble simple, prayerful way, what are you trying to show me? And so I bring those dream threads into my conscious awareness. I might even journal with them for a bit. And then as soon as I'm coming into a more present brainwave or awareness of being awake, I start to flood my field with gratitude. And I start to just get into that felt feeling place of what I feel grateful for. It might include the the trees waving in the wind outside if it's already light out or the the colors of the dawn if it's just dawn and I can start to see out my window for my breath, feeling my body, feeling the awareness of my husband next to me, uh, feeling gratitude for another opportunity to wake up to the day. So that immediately starts my, t- my day and sets the tone for living in gratitude and living in a, in a more awake and present space. And from there, really being impeccable about the choices. So whether I start with walking barefoot out in the garden or with um, breath work and meditation, but like what are the simple practices that each one of us can do? And for some of us, we have 20 minutes. For some of us, more or less than that. But that can set the tone and immediately put the brain, whole brain intelligence and whole heart intelligence into coherence as we then step out into our day. Um, that's one of the ways that it looks in terms of setting the tone. And there are many, many ways along the way during the day that we can remember and come back to what is that ideal state where I feel the most alive, happy, connected, compassionate, grateful. And how can I keep reminding myself of that, both in how I'm living um, and how I'm moving through the day, how I'm relating to the people around me, how I'm treating my body even if it includes, if, even for those of us that have long jobs at desks or at screens, to be able to get up, take a walk, get our head in the sky, even a few minutes on a break, drink plenty of water to stay hydrated, do some simple energy medicine exercises that might look like qigong or simple, you know, a little dance break if someone feels comfortable doing that. So that whatever it is, we can ongoingly throughout the day be remembering, be plugging into source, be um, optimizing our energy, be elevating our state. And this is something that we practice, and over time it just becomes a way of life. Yeah, it's it's a different level of consciousness. That's how I interpret it. Yes, definitely. Do you, so how does this sit with you, Denise? Do you feel like this, these are some of the ways that you have intuitively and uh, and through practice given yourself the opportunity to live by? Well, I have a lot of gratitude for the, the people in my life and the activities 
involved as well. Um, and I think that that's particularly important. And I, and I kind of set a goal every week. I, I want to know that I'm helping somebody at least once or twice a week. It could be a small little thing or it could be a big thing. But it's my, it's my gift. So I've been doing that lately. That's beautiful. Those are, those are definitely practices that, that over time lead us into a more compassionate, connected, and happy life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So many of us on a day-to-day basis are going from point A to B to C back to A. And the day just flies by. We're on a completely different level of consciousness. It, it, it's more to do with what are the things I have to get accomplished today and how am I going to get these things done? Uh, there's stress involved. What are some good, what would you say are some good ways to, to manage the stress of everyday living? It's a great question. I would, I would definitely bring awareness again to how am I setting the tone for my day? And just like we have a to-do list, I also would, would, even if it's just a tiny few bullet lists, but encourage each of us to create a to-be list. You know, how do I want to be as I'm flowing through my day? How do I want to show up to my children, my coworkers, my, uh, my partner, uh, my family? How do I want to show up to myself? And really start to take a personal assessment so that even a few minutes, it doesn't have to be a long practice, but even a 60-second practice of pausing and taking a few long, deep breaths and just checking in. How do I feel? How, where's my energy? Uh, addition to that, I would say simple practices like heart-brain coherence, which HeartMath Institute has done amazing work to study that uh, simple process of taking a long, relaxed inhalation and exhalation, maybe on a six-count inhale, pausing at the top of the breath, on a six-count exhale, pausing at the bottom of the breath, maybe even placing a hand on the heart. And from this place, again, starting to flood our awareness with what we feel grateful for. This immediately, even after three minutes, starts to change the brain waves. It takes us from a beta or a high beta, which are the brain waves of stress, into alpha, into theta. It takes us into a much more relaxing and present state of mind. So that these days, our world, so many of us live in a world where there's so much action, speed, technology coming and going, cars going very fast. Um, and so we have to take the time if we want to live in a more relaxed state to do the work from the inside out. And the doorways that I love that anyone can access are always going to be breath and awareness and then the physical body that sometimes even just noticing, can I unclench my jaw? Can I drop my shoulders a little bit down? Can I soften my heart? Can I bring attention from a narrow place, whether it's a phone or a screen or a task, to somewhere out in nature? Even in the biggest cities covered in concrete, we still have the sky, right? We all have this ability wherever we are to find something that we can appreciate, be grateful for, that connects us 
to a vibration that has more intelligence than the vibration of stress. Even if it's a dog or a cat or seeing a stranger and looking into their eyes and smiling, all uh-huh. of these simple ways are, are going to be immediate ways that anyone, no matter what your background or what your belief system, can shift from high stress, narrow mind to a more heart and body and breath-connected present state of being. Let's talk a little bit about vibration and and energy and how that all becomes a, a cohesive um, In other words, there's a cohesiveness about it. Uh, To define a vibration, to define energy, how how would you do that? Yeah, I love this conversation, Denise. And again, about to the mystery, there's many different ways to describe what I'm about to describe. And I don't pretend that this is the best way or the only way. Uh, But one way that I love to approach this conversation is to look at the perspective that we um, live in a unified field of energy. If we look at Newtonian science, which most all of our current systems are based upon, health, education, reality orientation, you name it, it's on Newtonian science, which actually says that we're matter in a world of matter, that we're objects in a world of objects. Since the 1920s, the quantum reality model has been around and has actually outdated Newtonian science, but we're just now beginning to catch up to it. But yet, if you were to look at the the mapping and the models of the energy and physical and emotional and mental bodies of the indigenous and shamanic beings, of sages and mystics, of the yogis of old, of all of the Asian arts and Chinese medicine, which I know is something you love as well, in terms of the acupuncture and meridian system, these practices and and methodologies have all agreed we are energy in a world of energy. And so that actually what appears as matter is only waves of energy that have slowed down enough that particles begin to exist. And it's from this place that we get a you and a me, a good and a bad, a right and a wrong. And it's wonderful to have this three-dimensional matter-based reality because it's how we get to experience each other. It's how we get to be in life. It's part of this great, miraculous uh, play of consciousness and energy. However, that's not where it stops. And so when we talk about the language of energy, it's important to first say, consider that we live in a quantum-based model of reality where everything is energy functioning at different vibrations. So one model I love is looking at the chakra or energy centers of our bodies, that if we look at the base and the sacral and the solar plexus, the first three chakras, that's where we have the matter-bound reality, where we have our bodies, our environment, we have our relationship with the other, we have the I, the I, me, mine, right? But then when we bring, and those, those energy waves are all slower and more dense, so they are physical. And then as we come into the energy or the vibration or frequency of the heart, of the throat, of the first eye or third eye, as some call it, in the crown, the energies or frequencies get faster, and so they become invisible, right? So, so whereas the 
the navel, the solar plexus, is the inner sun of the I, me, mine, the individuated self. The heart is the frequency and the energy much faster of the us, of the we, of the unity and wholeness consciousness where suddenly the energy is invisible, right? This is why we can feel the power of love, why love is a non-local energy. It's uh, the place of the heart is compassion, it's forgiveness, it's the empathy, it's that ability to send out energy and know that it is being felt and received. And there's even tons of scientific studies about this, of the power of loving prayer with energy from the heart, from heart coherence. And so when we look at this model of energy through our own bodies, energy centers, we start to realize that we live in an amazing, miraculous vehicle, this body, that we are so much more than just what our lower centers of dense energy would have us believe. And as we can, there's nothing wrong with any of the energy centers, right? They're all wonderful. They all have their intelligences. They all have their their glands, their, uh, their nervous system. It's almost like each of these centers has its own brain and function and intelligence. But that the beauty of living in a quantum-based reality is that we are able to embrace, I am a living conduit of energy. I am the connective tissue between heaven and earth, between the celestial realm and the earth. And the point is to circulate the energy, to move the energy, to be like a beautiful concert playing music with many, many instruments, many different gifts, and yet we can create a symphony of harmony. And that's really one of my favorite ways to describe what energy medicine is and what frequencies are and how we experience that in the body. Beautifully said. It's a mouthful, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when we talk about the power of prayer, there have been so many instances where large groups of people have got together to pray for someone who who um, has a difficult illness or has been in a bad accident. And a lot of times their recovery is miraculous. Yes. That, yes. that all ties in with this energy. But I view that as an energy of of uh, combined consciousness. It's more fluid. Yes. Yes. Agreed. That's the, the, that sense of the unity consciousness, right? That there's that the beauty and the power of when many of us dwell in that place in ourselves where we are, we are one being where we are connected, where we're all, uh, holding the same intention, a loving intention of someone uh-huh. or something's well-being. And, and also there's a certain power that I love to this same piece you're sharing about, which is living in the answered prayer, that there's a way of praying that's wanting and needing and coming from a place of separation, which again, that Newtonian paradigm is going to say we are separate the quantum model of reality, the energy model of reality says that we are whole. And so in coming from this place of I'm not separate from the thing I'm praying for, I may be praying for someone's well-being. And so instead of saying to something outside of me, please make them better, that's not the quality of prayer as the same quality of prayer of I'm seeing 
Um, I'm just going to put you in here because I'm seeing it for you. I'm seeing Denise thriving and happy. I'm seeing her whole. I'm, I'm seeing and feeling all of the cells of her body aligning in the optimal function. I'm seeing her smiling. I'm seeing her carried by a current of grace and bathed in golden light. And I'm seeing this for her and I'm holding it for her and I'm feeling and seeing and experiencing myself carried by the same grace current, flooded by the same golden light and committed to my own wholeness, which is also your wholeness, that that quality of energy is a very different frequency of quote-unquote prayer. Interesting. Didn't know that. I, yeah, I love um, the work of Greg Braden. He has done some remarkable research and studies, and Dr. Joe Dispenza as well, who's also one of my mentors. They've done amazing work along the lines of living in the answered prayer. And, and being in that uh, energy medicine and prayer space from a place of wholeness rather than scarcity or lack. So I encourage you to check it out. Will do. Really interesting. Huh. Sometimes you think things are simple, but they really aren't. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're simple and complex all at once. <laughs> I knew you were going to get me on that. <laughs> I think that's why it's, it's so, um, you know, that, that if, if anything I've said feels uh, for some of the listeners like, wow, she lost me 15 minutes ago, that's okay. I would say come back to and even place a hand on your own heart. Come back to what you know by heart, right? Not what we know by the programs and the um, the conventions and the conditions of what's been given to us by any limited perception, but I think deep in our own hearts, we all know that we are, um, that we are miraculous and, and bright love beings that are capable of so much more than sometimes we're credited with. True. But, you know, it starts very young. The, the limited perception. It does. It sure does. Yes. And I think that's why, the commitment to unlearning and um, deprogramming is always going to be part of the journey for uh-huh. any of us who are who are waking up in, in this Western world. That's very true. I'm curious, when we talked about how at age of 11 you were reading a lot of metaphysical uh, and spiritual type um, books, etc. You know, 11 years old, that's pretty young to have that sort of, of uh, inquisitiveness uh, outside of the what we'll consider the norm. Were your parents involved in anything of this nature or a family member or uh, I, I almost tend to think sometimes there has to be an influencer somewhere. Yes, I agree. I definitely agree that that's true Um, in terms of the influence. For me, the influence came from the invisible realm. So from a very early age, I was um, experiencing what some people would say as um, seeing and sensing spirits, dreaming with many different dimensions and many different beings, waking up 
at the middle of the night and feeling a benevolent, loving presence, going out into nature and just being in rapture and in love with the power and beauty of the sky and the sun and the stars and the trees. So from a very early age, this valve, I'll call it, (laughs) because I believe we all have it, was very open for me. And at a certain point, right around that turning of where a child starts to come into awareness of their society's beliefs, I just, I just knew that what I experienced on the inside was not only much more real to me, but much more loving and much more um, magical. So at that age is when my loyalty really turned to no matter what the external reality tells me is real, I'm going to keep developing this intimate love relationship with what I know is real on the inside. So as far as my my parents, go ahead. How did you you interact with them, and were they knowledgeable of this? You know, my parents, um, they're just pure love. I think that what I have, what I can say is that that every life has its challenges, that every life has its... uh, Of course, of course. Right? It's places of suffering and forgetting. And so even though my parents didn't have um, a lot of intellectual or verbal information to give me about what I've now come to articulate, they were always super loving. And I was held in so much love. And so I knew, excuse me, from a very early age that love was a foundation I could trust. And they loved me as I was, you know, and, uh, and that was great. Because then I, I, How, I knew that I was free to be who I was. But you knew you were different. I did, and I kept it to myself for most of my life until, okay. my, until my teens and 20s when people started to come to me to, um, to receive readings, tarot readings, um, okay. intuitive readings, so that people were always magnetized to me. But what I think is really key and important to mention is that at a certain point, I really understood that the best gift I could give back to anyone who sought my vision or assistance was to turn them back to light up their own direct line to that same energy. Uh-huh. How did you interact with other children at that time? Um, playfully, you know, lovingly. Curiously, I was a kid. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm by all uh, standards a normal human being, and it just happened that I have have had a remembrance and a valve opened uh-huh. up to the spirit, and other, visible world, other dimension. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of and an other, I trusted it's really, it. It's really a different dimension, actually. Or many, right? Many different dimensions. Uh-huh. I think the key uh-huh. is in how to. For, because it's accessible to all of us. And some of us, if that is a choice that we make in any point in our lives, we do have to do the, like I said, the unlearning and the deprogramming and then the wiring to wire and fire even our brain circuitry to be able to perceive more layers of dimension and reality. But anyone can do it, right? Well, and then I, it's it's true, however... It's difficult to know what tools to use to achieve that. And mm-hmm. in my six years of interviewing people, um, not always on this subject, but in essence, 
meditation always seems to be brought up. Yes. Um, because it, you know, you've got your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. Uh, so if there's other ways, I'd be interested in hearing about it. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of what everyday magnificence practices to activate your unlimited life is about because really meditation for me is not just um, that time on a cushion in a seated cross-legged position that really that any state and, and creativity being such a big doorway. So again, I'm going to come back to moving the body, um, walking in nature, dancing, shaking, vibrating so that part of it is that we're moving energy so that then we can get quiet and settle drawing making art working with mandalas uh, any number of practices that tune us inside to the inner world and support us to learn how to get quiet so that we can listen and see you know opening to to see and each of us is going to see in our own unique ways some people might receive information in the dream state which is an amazing thing to just start tracking your dreams alone is a beautiful way to start connecting with that deeper pulse of the source yeah but right, but some, interpreting interpreting those dreams can be difficult it can be and you know there's many schools of them i've been doing dream work professionally for decades and there's many that say we don't have to interpret we just wake up and feel into what was the dream time revealing and then keep it in our awareness as we come into the day and it's revealed to us, right? So okay. that it's, it's almost like like opening the windows of a house so that the space can breathe. And that's part of what we're doing when we start um, having, again, whatever way each of us meditates and receives. Some of us might hear song lyrics. Some of us might um, just sense it in our bodies. We're, you know, super sensitive. So starting to open the windows and doors and saying, show me, show me my unique ways of seeing, show me my unique ways of listening. Well, since you've done a lot of dream work, it's probably a question a lot of people have. Uh, Why is it that there's times where people come into your dreams that you haven't seen or talked to in 15 or 20 years or 25, whatever it is, that you've had limited relationships with these people. And then all of a sudden they pop, they pop into your dreams. What is that? <laughs> That's a great question. That's a great question. I'll tell you some of my, uh, my hunches about that and my experience okay. working with dreams for so many years. And I'll also say that it's always the dreamer's dream. So that it's always about turning it back to the person who's having the dream. And in this case, if it's, uh, if it's me and I'm having a dream with someone that I haven't seen in these years, I'm going to remember it. That's the first part. And then right. in the morning, whether I keep a dream journal or I just ask internally in the, way of, in the way of curiosity, in a childlike, playful, loving way, what are you trying to show me? What is this about? Is, is this a, sometimes... You know, Jungian dream work, which I love, would say that every aspect of the dream is a part of ourselves, of our wholeness. So what did this person represent for me? Is there any unfinished business with this person? Who was I 
when this person was in my life and are there any energies or qualities that I could recapitulate and bring forward now? Is there any healing thread of who I was, what that person was in my life that maybe I need to retouch and revisit with more compassion and wholeness? Um, Is there a message of that? Is the message to contact that person? So being in the way of self-inquiry and curiosity and awareness is how each of us would get a response to that question. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> complex, co- very complex. <laughs> there, there is no simple answer to it. <laughs> well, the beauty of it is, again, you can put your hand on your own heart. What do you know by heart? And that if you had a dream you wanted to work right now, we could do that live. And then you would leave the conversation because of what you know by heart which is actually very simple. You would be able to receive information from that dream that's direct and specific to you that comes right from your deepest inner knowing. Huh. Interesting. Well, not today, but (laughs) kind of an interesting uh, exercise in itself. Yes, it is. It is. You've definitely gotten the listeners' curiosity and mine as well. One of my dreams. Yeah, they're amazing. You know, we go to sleep at night and we we sometimes wake up in other worlds and we are all of a sudden in these brain waves where, like gamma brain waves, you know, where we're, our pineal is emitting frequencies that create all kinds of functions. The autonomic nervous system is restoring so deeply. So one of my dream uh, teachers used to say, my dream work teacher, is that to always remember that all our dreams come to us in the service of health and wholeness. All of them, even the nightmares, even the dreams that seem impractical or uncomfortable or out of nowhere, that every dream is coming to us in the service of health and wholeness. Interesting. Even for those poor people that have devilish dreams, <laughs> you know, nightmare dream, nightmare dreams. Yeah, yeah. That would be for for some that might have that. Well, let's just say somebody had a real traumatic experience in their life, and then it comes mm-hmm. back right. to them through dreams. Boy, I don't know how. That's right. Yeah, post-traumatic how you stress settle is that very real. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and again, what I would advise someone that's having dreams of that nature is I would advise them to really start working with their brain waves. There's all kinds of amazing technology these days where you can listen to music that has Uh um, brainwave-inducing sounds embedded in it. I would Uh also really support someone to, um, to really give themselves the practice if it's not immediate, but to start developing a practice of dwelling in love, in unconditional love, that power uh-huh. of love. It was actually Dr. Joe Dispenza who said years ago uh, to the students at an event, no matter what you encounter in your own psyche or consciousness or whether it's the dream time or meditations or in the world, that there's no power stronger than the power of love. And that if uh-huh. we can learn how to really resonate in that and trust in that, there's nothing that can't be brought back into wholeness and resolution. Uh-huh. Yep. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm not saying that's, that's the awesome. truth. I'm just saying try it yes, on. It's yeah. definitely something I live by and has been good to me. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else that you would like to impart upon our listeners today? Wow, well, I'd love to um, invite whoever is listening and inspired to visit my website okay. at com to check out Everyday Magnificent because it's not my book, it's your book. It's an uh. interactive <laughs> journal, right? It's an interactive journal that is just full of wonderful and simple and playful and effective practices for shifting our brain states, for coming into a more calm and happy and centered state of being, for elevating our states when we need it most, for remembering what it is that we came to this planet to do at this time, which is such a powerful time to be alive, Denise, isn't it? It really is. Things are changing rapidly. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And so I'd say we need all hands on deck. And the more of us that can really light up, um, the better. And that then we become, we become the light of the world. And this would be a good time to light up our planet with more compassion and unity. Very, very good time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to take an awful lot of energy on everyone's part to turn things around. It can be done. Definitely. Yes, yes. We all and, you join, know, join together in that. Definitely. And it can happen. Um, it can happen much more swiftly and gracefully than we can even conceive if we're able to shift paradigms, you know, to really exactly. shift from that place of in, in a paradigm of matter and object reality and dense energy Things take a long time, and it requires a lot of force. But as we shift into the new ancient story, a paradigm of energy and quantum-based reality, things happen swiftly, immediately, unexpectedly, unpredictably, and swiftly. Well, thank you so very much, Gabriella Masala. You've been a delight. Uh, Thank you, Denise. How great to talk with you today. Thank you for your time and all the love and blessings you're bringing to the world. You too. Continue with your wonderful work. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That was a wonderful interview. A lot of things to contemplate. Please take good care of yourselves, and I will be back on the air next week. Until then, bye-bye for now. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have, and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.